The Anatomy of Story, Chapter 10, Episode 65a, Scene Construction and Symphonic Dialogue. Scenes are where the action is, literally. Using description and dialogue, you translate all the elements of premise, structure, character, moral argument, story world, symbol, plot, and scene weave into the story the audience actually experiences. This is where you make the story come alive. A scene is defined as one action in one time and place, but what is a scene made of? How does it work? A scene is a mini-story. This means that a good scene has six of the seven structure steps. The exception is self-revelation, which is reserved for the hero near the end of the story. The self-revelation step within a scene is usually re replaced by some twist, surprise, or reveal. Constructing the scene. To construct any scene, you must always achieve two objectives. Determine how it fits into and furthers the overall development of the hero. Make it a good mini-story. These two requirements determine everything, and the arc of the hero's overall development always comes first. Key point, think of a scene as an upside-down triangle. The beginning of the scene should frame what the whole scene is about. The scene should then funnel down to a single point, with the most important word or line of dialogue stated last. Let's look at the ideal sequence you should work through to construct a great scene. Ask yourself the following questions. 1. Position on the character arc. Where does this scene fit within the hero's development? Parenthetical, also known as the character arc. And how does it further that development? 2. Problems. What problems must be solved in the scene or what must be accomplished? 3. Strategy. What strategy can be used to solve the problems? 4. Desire. Which character's desire will drive the scene? Parenthetical. This character may be the hero or some other character. What does he want? This desire provides the spine of the scene. Number 5. End point. How does the character's desire resolve? By knowing your end point in advance, you can focus the entire scene toward that point. The end point of the desire also coincides with the point of the inverted triangle, where the most important word <coughs> or line of the scene is positioned. This combination of the end point of the desire with the key word or line creates a knockout punch that also kicks the audience to the next scene. 6. Opponent. Figure out who opposes the desire and what the two, parenthetical or more, characters fight about. 7. Plan. The character with a desire comes up with a plan to reach the goal. There are two kinds of plans that a character can use within a scene, direct and indirect. In a direct plan, the character with a goal states directly what he wants. In an indirect plan, he pretends to want one thing while actually wanting something else. The opposing character will have one of two responses. He will recognize the deception and play along, or he will be fooled and end up giving the first character exactly what he really wants. A simple rule of thumb can help you decide which sort of plan the character should use. A direct plan increases conflict and drives characters apart. An indirect plan decreases conflict initially and brings characters together, but it can cause greater conflict later on when the deception becomes clear. Remember, the plan refers to how the character tries to reach a goal within the scene, not in the overall story. 8 conflict. Make the conflict build to a breaking point or a solution. 9. Twist or reveal. 
Occasionally, the characters or the audience, or both, are surprised by what happens in the scene, or one character tells another off. This is a kind of self-revelation moment in a scene, but it is not final and may even be wrong. Note that many writers, in an attempt to be realistic, start the scene early and build slowly toward the main conflict. This doesn't make the scene realistic. It makes it dull. Key point. Start the scene as late as possible without losing any of the key structure elements you need. Complex or subtext scenes. The classic definition of some subtext is a scene where the characters don't say what they really want. This may be true, but it doesn't tell you how to write it. The first thing to understand about subtext is that conventional wisdom is wrong. It's not always the best way to write the scene. Subtext characters are usually afraid, in pain, or simply embarrassed to say what they really think or want. If you want a scene with maximum conflict, don't use subtext. On the other hand, if it's right for your particular characters and the scene they are in, by all means use it. A subtext scene is based on two structural elements, desire and plan. For maximum subtext, try these techniques. Give many characters in the scene a hidden desire. These desires should be in direct conflict with one another. For example, A is secretly in love with B, but B is secretly in love with C. Have all the characters with hidden desires use an indirect plan to get what they want. They say one thing while really wanting something else. They may be trying to fool the others, or they may use subterfuge they know is obvious, but hope the artifice is charming enough to get them what they really want. Dialogue. Once you've constructed the scene, you use description and dialogue to write it. The fine art of description is not within the scope of a book on story, but dialogue is. Dialogue is among the most misunderstood of writing tools. One misconception has to do with dialogue's function in the story. Most writers ask their dialogue to do the heavy lifting, the work that the story structure should do. The result is dialogue that sounds stilted, forced, and phony. But the most dangerous misconception about dialogue is the reverse of asking it to do too much. It is the mistaken belief that good dialogue is real talk. Key point, dialogue is not real talk. It is highly selective language that sounds like it could be real. Key point, good dialogue is always more intelligent, wittier, more metaphorical, and better argued than in real life. Even the least intelligent or uneducated speaker character, let me start over with that sentence, even the least intelligent or uneducated character speaks at the highest level at which that person is capable. Even when a character is wrong, he is wrong more eloquently than in real life. Like symbol, dialogue is a technique of the small. When later on top of structure, character, theme, story, world, symbol, plot, and scene weave, it is the subtlest of the storyteller's tools, but it also packs tremendous punch. Dialogue is best understood as a form of music. Like music, dialogue is communication with rhythm and tone. Also like music, dialogue is best when it blends a number of tracks at once. The problem most writers have is that they write their dialogue on only one track, the melody. This is dialogue that explains what is happening in the story. One track dialogue is a mark of mediocre writing. Great dialogue is not a melody, but a symphony happening on three major tracks simultaneously. The three tracks are story dialogue, moral dialogue, and key words or phrases. Track one, story dialogue, melody. Story dialogue, like melody and music, is a story expressed through talk. 
It is talk about what the characters are doing. We tend to think of dialogue as being opposed to action. Actions speak louder than words, we say, but talk is a form of action. We use story dialogue when characters talk about the main action line. And dialogue can even carry the story, at least for short periods of time. You write story dialogue the same way you construct a scene. Character 1, who is the lead character of the scene, and not necessarily the hero of the story, states his desire. As the writer, you should know the end point of that desire, because this gives you the line on which the dialogue of the scene, the spine, will hang. Character 2 speaks against the desire. Character 1 responds with dialogue that uses a direct or indirect plan to get what he wants. Conversation between the two becomes more heated as the scene progresses, ending with some final words of anger or resolution. An advanced dialogue technique is to how the scene progresses from dialogue about action to dialogue about being. Or to put it another way, it goes from dialogue about what the characters are doing to dialogue about who the characters really are. When the scene reaches the hottest point, one of the characters says some, of the, some form of the words, you are dot dot dot. He then gives details of what he thinks about the other person, such as, you are a liar, or you are a no good sleazy dot dot dot, or you are a winner. Notice that this shift immediately deepens the scene because the characters are suddenly talking about how their actions define who they essentially are as human beings. The character making the claim, you are dot dot dot, is not necessarily right, but just a simple statement makes the audience sum up what they think of these characters so far in the story. This technique is a kind of self-revelation within the scene, and it often includes talk about values, parenthetical, see track two, moral dialogue. This shift from action to being is not present in most scenes, but it is usually present in key scenes. Let's look at an example of this shift in a scene from the verdict. In this scene, Mr. Donaghy, brother-in-law of the victim, accosts attorney Frank Galvin for turning down a settlement offer without consulting him first. We come in about halfway through the scene. It's uh, interior courthouse corridor. It's daytime. Donaghy. Four years, my wife's been crying to sleep what they, what they did to her sister. Galvin. I swear to you I wouldn't have turned the offer down unless I thought I could win the case. Donaghy. What you thought? What you thought? I'm a working man. I'm trying to get my wife out of town. We hired you. We're paying you. I got to find out from the other side they offered 200 Galvin. I'm going to win this case, Mist, Mr. Donaghy. I'm going to, to the jury with a solid case, a famous doctor and an expert witness, and I'm going to win $800,000. Donaghy, you guys, you guys, you're all the same. The doctor's at the hospital. You. It's what I'm going to do for you, but you screw up. It's we did the best we could. I'm dreadfully sorry, and people like me live with your mistakes the rest of our lives. Track two, moral dialogue, harmony. Moral dialogue is talk about right and wrong action and about values or what makes a valuable life. It's equivalent in music to harmony in that it provides depth, texture, and scope to the melody line. In other words, moral dialogue is not about story events. It's about the character's attitude toward those events. Here's the sequence in moral dialogue. Character 1 proposes or takes a course of action. Character 2 opposes that action on the grounds that it is hurting someone. The scene constitutes as each attacks and defends. The scene continues as each attacks and defends, with each giving reasons to support his position. 
During moral dialogue, characters invariably express their values, their likes or dislikes. Remember, a character's values are actually expressions of a deeper vision of the right way to live. Moral dialogue allows you, at the most advanced level, to compare in, in argument not just two or more actions, but two or more ways of life. Track 3. Keywords, Phrases, Taglines, and Sounds Repetition, Variation, and Limotif Keywords, phrases, taglines, and sounds are the third track of dialogue. These are words with the potential to carry special meaning, symbolically or thematically, the way a symphony uses certain instruments, such as the triangle, here and there for emphasis. The trick to building this meaning is to have your character say the word many more times than normal. The repetition, especially in multiple contexts, has a cumulative effect on the audience. A tagline is a single line of dialogue that you repeat many times over the course of the story. Every time you use it, it gains new meaning until it becomes a kind of signature line of the story. The tagline is primarily a technique for expressing theme. Some classic tag taglines are, round up the usual suspects, I stick my neck out for nobody, and here's looking at you, kid, from Casablanca. From Cool Hand Luke, what we've got here is a failure to communicate. From Star Wars, May the force be with you. From Field of Dreams, if you build it, he will come. The Godfather uses two taglines. I'll make him an offer he can't refuse, and it's not personal, it's business. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid shows us a textbook example of how to use the tagline. When the line is first uttered, it has no special meaning. After robbing a train, Butch and Sundance can't shake a posse. Butch looks back at the men way off in the distance and says, Who are those guys? A while later, the posse is even closer and Sundance repeats the line, this time with a hint of desperation. As the story progresses, it becomes clear that Butch and Sundance's main task is to figure out the identity of those guys. Those guys aren't just another posse our heroes can easily lose. They are the future stage of society. They are all-star lawmen from all over the American West, hired by a corporate boss back east that Butch, Sundance, and the audience never even meet. But if Butch and Sundance don't figure out who those guys are in time, they will die.